Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Neil and Jordan podcast, the podcast where two comedians talk like experts on subjects they are not experts on. This podcast is sponsored by Crush Organic CBD Oil. Look at me getting more newsreadery each week. Crush Organic CBD Oil, the forefront of CBD oil products. They've got a wide range of CBD oil uh, and CBD oil products for you to enjoy. They've got gummies. They've got pain cream. They've got uh, the platinum oil. They've got the night oil. They've got the daily oil. They've got CBD oil for your pets. Uh, I'm a big fan of it. I've been using it for months now. It's uh, definitely helped with my stress, my anxiety, and my sleep. I love the gummies. I take two a night. It's great. Uh, If you've never used the CBD oil before, make sure you just start out with two to three drops, wait a couple hours, see how you go, but go to crushorganics.com, use the code NEIL for 40% off. So that's crushorganics.com. Crush with a K, use the code NEIL for 40% off. Good deal. I'm just a salesman now. Oh, yeah. You've got the script down, Pat. Yeah, man. Killing that. And <laughs> you know what? We've got a follow-up here from one of our uh, from one of our listeners that sent in a topic a couple of months ago. So this was the topic. I think the podcast was called Small Habits, Big Changes. Mm. This is from Mark. And... Just sent an email. It's very nice. He said, uh, firstly, just want to say a massive thank you for the response you had for my question and the amount of advice you guys put into it. It's been about two months since it came out. And I'd say the biggest thing that's happened is how much my perspective on the compound interest concept of some of my own habits has changed. I knew in theory what you were both talking about when it came to time spent on slash time entered the habit and talking about your interest accruing over time, but it didn't really click until a month after listening. There were a lot of days where I'd slip up, have a wank, or forget to write, or buy a vape. Got to be honest, bro, even I'm struggling with those vapes. God damn, they taste good. Mm. And they feel good. Mm. So, yeah, look, we're all human. Still, what you're doing is great. Don't go and buy a vape. To the point where uh, there was probably only one to two purple days a week. That's right. So he had a calendar and he had different colors based on whether or not he had achieved what he was setting out to do in terms of his habits. In comparison to how well I was doing previously, especially when I wrote into you and Jordan, it really made me feel like shit to see this because it showed how much I failed my own self-created standard of what being the perfectly disciplined person was supposedly all about. After look at, looking at my calendar model for discipline for a while, I realized it's purposely designed to spotlight my failures and take the wins for granted. Like six out of seven days of the week were marked blue because of one to two failed habits slash measures. But eight of the other habits slash measures were still done on the same day. In fact, for the last two months, there were five out of the 10 listed habits slash measures that were consistently achieved every single day. But due to my marking system, you'd never notice that. Cold showers fucking rock. Five-minute ice baths for muscle recovery. Uh, He does the Wim Hof breathing. He does it for only five to 25 minutes daily. This is one thing I've never actually done. I I don't do any of those breathing techniques yet. Have you tried any of the Wim Hof stuff? No. I've definitely heard good things. So have I. And that's all I've experienced with Wim Hof, hearing things. Oh. Then, no, actually, you know what? No, I do know one guy that does it, but um, he can't afford to feed his dog and he's homeless now. 
I'm sure that's got nothing to do with Wim Hof. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Shots fired, Wim Hof, bro. You're going <laughs> to... That was your fault. You're going to do a takedown of Wim Hof? Is he the next whiny little bitch? Yeah, react. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, I can breathe. <laughs> <laughs> Mad. So can every other human. No, look, congratulations, Mark. You're killing Shut it. Shut up, Wim. <laughs> uh, morning pages became more like the weekly pages. I just didn't really have enough stuff happening in my life in lockdown to write two pages of thoughts every day, but I might pick it up again now that we're back. I read eight books, all nonfiction, like a good Neil and Jordan podcast listener. Good on you. Yeah. I've dedicated my Insta and Facebook for the last month. Oh, I deactivated, sorry, my Insta and Facebook for the last month just because the 60-minute time limit was too easy to break. Had to go full cold turkey to actually commit to the habit. Still kept YouTube, though as it didn't make me feel like a human hamster scrolling through endless titties and memes. Remarkably, when I'm on YouTube, my attention span is actually longer than 60 seconds. I found that as well. I'm starting to listen to long-form podcasts on YouTube, documentaries, people really explaining geopolitical and, and just Australian political issues. I think the attention span on YouTube has actually increased, although mm. now they're doing shorts, so I don't know. Who the fuck knows? Are you going to do any shorts? No, Christ, no. Yeah, it's clearly, uh, you know, trying to catch up to TikTok. But yeah, and failing. Yeah. They can pump the algorithm numbers all they want. I do not believe that someone playing Minecraft and giggling is getting 30 million views. It should get 3 million. Mm. <laughs> you know, it's, 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 they're, they're, they're lying. They're lying. Man, Minecraft content. That's how you make bank. Did you ever play Minecraft? I've never played it. No, it looks like the most boring thing on earth. Yeah, it looks earth. like shit. It looks like shit. You're making some cubes and you like you got a little pickaxe. Yeah, and you've got, what, two options of cubes? You've got the grey cubes that <laughs> symbolise stone and then you've got the earth cubes. Wow. And, and whoever invented that game would be... I'm sure that guy would just be below Jeff Bezos. I hope so. That's a I hope he didn't get shafted and he's like the McDonald's brothers. Let us know if you play Minecraft. What's so addictive about it? It looks it looks trash. But then again, I've never no actually played it. Isn't it a really young game? I think for the most part it is. I it, this was, oh no! In high school, there was this, there was I was doing videos all throughout high school, and I had like two hundred subscribers. People made fun of me, and look at me now, cunts. But uh, there was this kid in Year Seven when I was in Year Twelve who started making Minecraft videos and got a thousand subscribers <laughs> in weeks. And then he'd come up to me, he's like, hey, man, I'm a YouTuber like you. I reckon you're not far off a thousand subscribers. I'm like, you fucking little shit. (laughs) You can't. (laughs) That's got to hurt. My sketches are great. Did did it uh, make you think that maybe I should go into gaming? No, I never really thought about doing gaming videos. I, I was a bit of a gamer, but never to that extent. I've never understood this phenomenon of people watching other people playing video games. Me neither. Like it's already you're already a you're playing a video game. You're a kind of a virgin man, but you're gonna watch other men play video games, dude. Just chop off your dick. What are you doing? Like, oh, did you watch fucking this cunt play fucking COD? Play the game yourself. <laughs> like, what are you doing? This is good. You're watching other cucks. <laughs> you're cucked to cucks. <laughs> oh, no, you're right. What are you doing? No, I don't know. I don't get it. <sighs> well, maybe there's something to it. Maybe, you know, if there's any listeners who watch other grown men play video games, 
What is the appeal? What are you getting out of what it? What are you doing? Like, okay, man, I get it. If it's the commentary is funny, I kind of get it. But man, that's um, that's something else. When like a go- okay, I get it. If it's a twelve-year-old, when a grown man is like, yeah, what did you do on the weekend? Oh, I spent four hours watching a guy Dizzy on Twitch board. play a game. You don't deserve to procreate. Nah. You, you just don't. Mm. You're right. Don't get it. Get a different hobby, please. Anything. At Even le- collecting model trains is better than that. At least play the game. What kind of confidence do you have where you're like, oh, the video it's better. No, I, I want to watch another guy play it first. <sighs> I hope to God that that person doesn't exist. I really hope Bro, there isn't any 30-year-old men watching this. They'd have yeah, to be, man. though, wouldn't there? No, there's a, no, there's even a lot of my sad friends, people in the world. What? There's, a, there's a guy I, who runs some of my shows and uh, he, uh, I was expressing these same thoughts. And he's actually, he's got a, like a pretty, he, dude, that guy slays. I've never, I've seen it in real time. And he's like, bro, he's, he's shorter than me, like a good couple of inches shorter than me. He's bold. He, he's like a massive Drug enthusiast. He's, a, he's an absolute legend. I fucking love the guy. Don't get me wrong. But he's not exactly what you'd expect. And then I've seen just like groups of uh, just gorgeous women just just be entranced by what he's saying after a show. It's it's fascinating to watch. It's, it's is he a uh, is he a comedian? No, but he um he's definitely in the comedy world, but he's not a comedian. He's, what do you think his secret is? Well, like with anyone who's good at that sort of stuff, very confident, very charismatic guy, but just there's something and cuz like Daniel's sister brought a couple of friends to a show once and and they and they're gorgeous, like they're these like, you know, marketing for whatever reason, it's always marketing, but it always is. You know, bougie, you know, some kind of bougie white collar industry. But just they apparently told her after they were like, "Oh my god, I love that guy." And not they in a like more? Yeah, not in a like, oh, that guy's so funny. I loved him. But it was like they w- were charmed. Mm. He's, he's just, it's it's a sight to behold. But he what? maybe there's something to it. He watches other men playing video games. So, maybe it's me then. I think it's there's two things that are sticking out to me in this situation. I think one of the big things is that he's a druggo. <laughs> well, yeah. He lives in the moment. Lives in the moment, but there's also something that happens when you take the right amount of drugs. And it's a real dangerous play here. But if you can take the right amount of drugs, your mind just goes into this Stephen Hawking alternate universe where you can just pluck anything out of thin air and construct a very absurd sentence that keeps everyone going along for the ride. And I found that that is extremely attractive to women and I have no idea why. I understand that there's a confidence behind it, but it's the same thing how everyone's always just got like those master classes of Craig Ferguson hitting on degrade celebrities. <laughs> and he's doing something that you can't do because he's just a druggo. It's, it's charisma. It, it, there's some kind of all those weekends doing acid has just brought out all this charisma. Well, actually- one of my friends who's done acid, I was saying, what do you think that's about? And he said, look, you, you know what it is? It's when you have acid, you realize 
maybe everything that I thought was really important isn't important at all. Yep. So, maybe it's just the fact that most people that speak to those women are just like, this is it. I've got to impress them. And they're just fucking themselves up. Yeah. And he's clearly- He's not doing does that. Does not give a fuck. So, he's, he's not entertained to watching- outcome. Yeah. And he- Clearly. He's entertained watching Minecraft videos as an adult. <laughs> so, he, <laughs> anything that's Minecraft. put in front of him, he's like, oh, sweet. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Because I've just been so habitually- uh, it's just ingrained into me to uh, attractive girl, yeah, impress her. Even though I, I'm, I have a girlfriend, I'm very, very happy. But I think just because years of that mentality doesn't just go away. No. Well, there you go. Maybe the secret is to watch other grown men game. I think you get that. You get that real diversity there. You get a range. You either get just a guy, the, the neckbeards who like are watching the other neckbeards or you get just killers. I don't think you'd get a guy in the middle. I don't think you'd get a guy who's like, yeah, I'm just a full-time engineer and, you know, I'm, I'm engaged. And I also spend six hours on the weekend watching another guy play COD. Maybe. Jesus, yeah. Maybe. No, yeah, you're probably, yeah. No, I, I don't, don't know. Think so. Yeah, well, okay. But anyway, we'll detour there. But uh, so, Mark... He's, he's deactivated his instant Facebook. Gyms being open again definitely made daily exercise a lot more rewarding as well as adhering to a healthy diet, feel more purposeful as I want to perform at the best level I can, which ties in to finding a good why to reduce alcohol and vape consumption. But I'll still crack open a cold one with the boys every two to three weeks. Yeah, you still got to be an Aussie. I like that. Mm. Uh, as long as it's social and not every single weekend. I like that a lot. That's really good. Uh, I'm not going to beat myself up about it. That's really important. That's probably more important. If that does happen, if you do fall off the wagon, not to sit there being like, fuck, I'm a piece of shit. Fuck, I I'm, I'm useless. Because then that puts you in a negative mind state. And then what do you want to do to get out of that negative mind state? Drink more. Have a wank. Vape more. Have a wank. So it's counterintuitive, but it's not like you want to say, I'm fine, I'm beautiful, I'm okay. But you just want to say, oh, look, we're all human. We all... Well, because if you think about it, things. all of those things are just trying to escape your reality because Absolutely, your reality bro. sucks at that moment. You know what I've noticed ever since I went on that date with Destiny Tour? Man, he's absolutely right about one thing. As sexy as it is, your entire life is dictated by emotion, meaning that you can harness that, oh, yeah. which is there's pretty much this one trick in life and I will guarantee you that you will feel so much better throughout every day because most of my life, I don't know, it's just the implicit understanding is I'm going to wait for something great to happen and then I'm going to feel good. Mm. I'm telling you what you do. You get 20 EDM songs, songs that people listen to when they're supposed to be pinged out, and then you just jump up and down like you're in a club for like 30 seconds to a minute. You'll feel pumped. And then you're fine for the next two hours. So, so you're researching Julius Caesar and also, you know, the the corruption of the liberals. Mm -hmm. And every three hours, you listen to David Guetta jump, and you jump up and down, and then you're like, "All right, so where did this money go from the yes, liberal party?" That is my life. That is my life. Except for replacing a little less David Guetta, I'm more of a fan of Martin Garrix. But yes, <laughs> yes, that, that's what I do. And I think that Martin Garrix. Come on. Of the 2010s DJs, is David Guetta number one, hands down. He is number one, hands down. It's just that at the moment, 
Garrix has a couple of, he's just got a couple of tracks that are linked to date with Destiny because Tony Robbins is a fan of it. And so it just reminds me of this peak state that I was in anyway. Does he have that song where it's like, motherfucking animals? Maybe. Is that Garrix? That one. I mean, that's. Most All of them. them. <laughs> that's, I don't know. that's every day we get it. It's like reggae, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> like dun 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 dun. It's a synth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a synth. Just scrap that motherfucker bass. <laughs> and then Flo Rider comes in like, hey, Flo Rider, and the ones are drinking bubbly at the club. Shake your ass, for me, girl. Number one song. But you know what? You go back and you listen to these and you actually dance while doing it and it makes total sense why every song back Dude. then was just talking about why they're in the club. The um the my favorite David Guetta song were the all the cheesy ones, bro, like the one with uh Flo Rida and Nicki Minaj. And at one point in the song, the bass drops and Nicki Minaj just goes, and like just thinking like she got paid probably fifty grand to be featured on that song. Minimum. And she's just yeah, going, die, 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 where them girls at? <laughs> I fucking love what that song. What is going on? And then another song called uh, Little Bad Girl, which was David Guetta and Tayo Cruz. And then I, when I was a teenager, I was like, oh, this is a cool song. And it was like, dun, 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 dun. okay, they tell me I'm a bad boy. All the ladies look at me and act coy. <laughs> I just like to put my <laughs> hands up in the air. I want that girl dancing over there. <laughs> Who writes this shit? But it's so good. It gets you in the mood. You know what? You're completely right because before I work out now, I have a list of just all these pump-up songs and they're so cringy and cheesy. They're, they they're just are. mid-2000 rappers being like, I'm a motherfucking boss. They're not even that lyrically uh, in compelling, but they just they no. put you in the right mood. Yes. And music is a beautiful tool to alter your mindset considerably and quite quickly if you listen to the right track. So I would recommend starting a couple of Spotify playlists based on a, a, a mood that you might want to affect within yourself at any given time in your life. So so you're stressed out, you want this uh, pop banger playlist that jordan listens to i got that one as well i got like one called happy lame music mm, 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 and it's all move. just you know it's like metro station like, shake 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 oh, that's it. on mine as well like all it, the, it, yeah, in just, fact <laughs> just put that one on do yourself a favor you gotta put that one on bro you have to um and then i got a pump up music which is all just it's like it's not even 50 cent it's like g unit and like tony yet like that kind of underground half mainstream guys and then i've got like soundtracks to the batman movie on there so what is that? The ones that go for you know, like an hour and 20 minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah like the symphony well, while like ever, the like, Dark Knight is like riding through Gotham and it's this like boom, 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 like this epic shit that makes you, it pumps you up. It really, it's like you, oh, you, put, when you're, you when, think that you're like Bane or, or Batman about to, you know, fight the fucking Joker or whatever. And it, But that's for when you're like uh, riding, right? Like you're not pumping yourself up for an hour and 20 minutes. No, they're not that long. They're like f- they're normal song length. Really? Yeah, look up. Oh, I thought um, it was like the whole soundtrack. Okay. The Dark Knight soundtrack, bro. And then like there's a few songs from the Rocky soundtrack. <sighs> they make you feel, they just make you feel like a warrior. They're mad. Um, well, yeah. And also the other one, if you just want to cheat cheat to it. 
Tony Robbins' Date with Destiny. There's some songs on there that are too lame. Man, yeah. he's a big fan of Pitbull. Huge fan of Pitbull. Yeah, I mean, that and guy knows how to- How can you not? You know, you, you Both sometimes- of them know how to raise the roof. Exactly. You need a simple track to just get people moving and jumping and you don't want all this- <laughs> What is it? <laughs> you don't want, oh, man, we need real hip-hop, man. We need that real hip-hop. No, we don't. Filthy <laughs> Frank's get I'm a lyrical, miracle, spiritual individual. I don't want to listen to that. No. I want to listen to Flo Rida, to where, where them girls at? Ooh. I'm at the club. I'm drinking bub. Yeah. I want that. I just want- You know what? I, I think This is something that I've noticed as well. The more that I add to that playlist to pump up, yeah. the more I realize music in terms of- Maximum positivity peaked in 2010. Yep. They're all from fucking there. Every one of those songs. Yeah, became Kevin Rudolph. I don't know why. He was just like this huge- I love that guy. Yeah, but he was there for like a year and then he died because things weren't positive anymore. Good stuff, bro. uh, Yeah, let it rock. A bit of early, like late 90s, early 2000s pop as well. As cheesy and as girly as you want, bro. Like Spice Girls, Wannabe. Yeah, That will get you in a mood. That gets you jumping. Can't go wrong with Britney. I want it. I want it. You can go wrong with Christina Aguilera. You need the right one. That you need the yeah. Yeah, she she was always just yeah. She was a Latino radio edit of Britney Spears, wasn't she? Yeah, the this the even dirtier Britney Spears. It's like Britney Spears is a fucking sixteen-year-old acting. Everyone now is like, "Well, the softcore porn. These like teenagers on TikTok in bikinis." It's like. Yeah, Britney Spears was sold as, like, a girl in school uniform gyrating and, like, looking way too hot for a girl that age. Yeah. And it made I suppose millions. there was just one. And then it's, it's, like, it's like it preys on the insecurities of preteen girls. Britney Don't Spears. Don't pop music are, like, 18-year-old girls that are, like, making 12-year-old girls feel insecure? Oh, I don't have boobs yet. And then, like, <laughs> oh and my then, like, god, he's so right. And, like, and then all these like <laughs> commentators, like yeah, um, all the self help guys, not just the self help guy, but the like, let's call them male motivational speakers, are basically guys in their thirties preying on the insecurities of guys in their twenties. Oh man, and I feel prey to those. Oh, and you're then now, like, I go back I mean, and look at my playlist. This podcast is massively. But, yeah, now it's time to return the favor. Yeah, it really is. It's like hazing in a university. Like, you, you're never going to get rid of that. Yeah, you got to have a bit of insecurity. I think you got to have some pain in your life to push you f- forward. I was just talking about that you today, man. To like, dude, I'm so glad I'm not 19 anymore. That was a sad year. And so I'm glad that I could sit here and just kind of jostle those people into being 19. But we, we did have that. We had our LimeWire version of us. <laughs> just all of these no-name pickup celebrities, pickup artists that you could illegally download their like crap advice that they'd go into a community radio studio and record over the oh, last like that- 12 hours. Right. The people who we were listening to 10 years ago. People we were listening to yeah. 10 years ago. Yeah. Who the fuck was I? Oh, my God. I can't even- 16, 17, I can't 18, even remember 19. his name, but I remember once him saying, 
because he was just going through it and it was the usual self-help tropes. And I thought, mm. yep, 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 this is all fine. He was, you know, the classics of uh, what, what you got to do is just be uh, overly confident. You just want to be extremely confident when you're in front of a woman. If it doesn't work out, you have to have the confidence to work out there, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And then he was saying, so uh, this is what I do to unwind when my life is too stressful. I just go up to the mountains. I might, I might, I might be having some crystal meth while I'm while I'm on the slopes, you know, if, if I'm feeling like that. And I was like, crystal meth? <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> What are you You're a method. You're a method. Why? Like, I, I realized I got like too deep down the hole at that point. I don't know who you were listening to then. Neither do I. That's fucked, isn't it? Just take some crystal meth. Wow. Um, Jesus Christ. Anyway, we got to <laughs> advice. Really, is free, isn't it? I love that. I wish I I, I could have met you at that age. Actually, I think that'd be funny. I would have been a very awkward man. Like you saying all these concepts but having no profile and no uh, social proof at all. (laughs) He's just coming up and like, this is what you got to do, man. Uh, Who are you again? It's not important. Let's just go to the ABCs again. Well, you performed at an open mic. Oh, good on you, bro. I'm going to be famous uh, one day. Actually, I'm going to be a political calm. I'm going to I'm going to take down the Murdoch Empire one day. <laughs> oh, sure. <laughs> yeah. Good. 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 Good on. Keep going. Keep trying. <laughs> and 10 years later, oh, fuck. You did it. You're on. You're, well, you're, you're in the process. But I don't think this is my goals 10 years ago. This is what. I'm saying so, so much shifted. Maybe my goals 10 years ago was, all right, can I make it all the way? No, wait, what age would I have been there? 22. No, I would have made it all the way. Can I make it all the way on average more than once every two years? Mm. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, yeah. I'm just used to doing that. Yeah, the job. cat's jumped on the, on the table. And let me actually, holy shit, it's been 25 minutes and I haven't finished Mark's... Uh, uh, thank you, email. Okay. Porn, I couldn't figure out though. Longest I could go was five days without. Tried my imagination as well, but it just wasn't the same. Feel like the only solution to this one is putting in the work and getting a girlfriend. Putting in the work. Yeah, bro. That one. But look, see, the imagination the won't feel the same at the start because you're coming off a drug. That's that, that's methadone. Your imagination is methadone. But like gradually, gra- you know what? you got to wean yourself off porn by looking at soft comp, soft Call porn first. For, for a, this is so sad. But like for a year, when I did my porn detox, there was some when I was like, oh, I really need to watch it. I would just look up like lesbians making out on YouTube. That's like, see, that's uh, I, I know where enough. you're going, but I could I could bat one to that. Yeah, no, I did, but that's technically <laughs> not porn. Uh, it's porn. Well, then I didn't go a year without porn. Okay, right. Okay, so you're just saying there was that no you weaned yourself off of hardcore porn. Uh, there was no nudity, so I wouldn't call that pornography. Okay, okay. Well, we're really getting like we're getting into grey zones yeah, here, aren't we? Fair this enough. Is the, Maybe I didn't hand jobs cheating on you. Yeah, sure, get- <laughs> yeah, true, true, true. <laughs> but <laughs> you know what? I will say this. This is a trick that I've just recently discovered. Mm-hmm. Instead of looking up porn that you want to beat off to, look up porn that you don't want to beat off to. Now, you could go really hardcore and go look at some gay porn if you wanted. 
I haven't gone that far, but I'm just looking at porn that I'd normally just be like, next, you know, like boring lame okay. porn to you. And then you're just like, you're just not into it. Because Never this is the whole that. thing that's happened with uh, so much free pornography. You've realized that your brain just goes into exactly what you want. And if it's anything other than that in the wide realm, it's kind of just like watching YouTube videos that aren't aimed at you. You know, so if you just mm. watch like how to make the world's biggest eraser, you just would click off after a while. That's an interesting tactic. That actually sounds like it, it, it may be effective because eventually you'd start to- you wouldn't be enjoying the porn. I mean, you wouldn't be enjoying it to the same degree. So eventually, you wouldn't. You you know, your body would become psychologically accustomed to to going through this slightly enjoyable experience, but not as enjoyable as it was before. So then, eventually, it might be easier to wean yourself off. A little tactic I uh, <laughs> uh, may have been using recently is uh, I make my home screen uh, either a photo of my um, me and my girlfriend or. A photo of me, me and my mum, or if you're really hardcore, a photo of you and your grandma. Dead. Because the last thing you see before you open that <laughs> browser is you with your beautiful grandma, and you won't be able to get that image out of your head. So, whoa, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Holy shit, what happened? Oh, that moment the cat's too, fuck. Yeah, the cat just fucking freaked me out as much as we freaked you. And Jordan it. jumped. All right, well. Yeah, the, even the cat got scared of the idea of putting a photo of your grandma on your home screen in, in your phone. So then as soon as – and, and or on your desktop. So the last thing you look at is your grandma smiling as you open Pornhub.com and you've got that little extra bit of guilt that just might be enough. It might just be that enough – just enough of that kick to be like, all right, I won't. I think you're right. Try that. I think you're right. Unorthodox, but try it. Anyway. I think the grandma's a good way to go. <laughs> so, even though now I'm committing to four to five of the original 10 habits, I'm really glad about where I'm at and I've realized the important part isn't quantity of habits, it's the time spent. And as draconian as my original method was, if I never implemented it, I would uh, have committed to those, but I still have and I'm confident. Uh, throw everything at the wall and see what sticks. So, yeah, thank you for reading and thank you so much for all the good work you do with this podcast. I'd be a completely different person without it, as I'm sure many others would agree. Wish you both the best. You are a legend. Good on you. Good on you. I'm so proud of you. That's that's amazing. And I As hope I. we've had that kind of impact for other people. Now, uh, we're actually going to do a subscriber topic. Uh, we, I didn't think that was going to take 30 minutes to go through a, <laughs> a one-page email, but we're just easily distracted. No attention span. So... Um, this is a topic, by the way, uh, neilcohacker.com slash podcasts to send in a topic, a question, or a shout out. And we raised over, you guys, you guys raised over $5,000 for charity in 2021. So big pat on the back. That's pretty good. How many other Australian podcasts are doing that? Okay. So how many podcasts globally are doing that? So you guys well, are how many absolute legends. Is that 5,000? Well, apparently they're two dollars each, so at least two and a half. Two thousand five hundred. You whatever. just saved two and a half. Uh, sorry, two thousand five hundred kids from malaria. From malaria. So, and you get to ask us questions about porn. <laughs> what a great what transaction! The, yeah, I, I, and thanks we, anyway. We get to feel good. 
you get yeah. to support the channel. It's really, it's just a win, 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 win. Alrighty. So. Mm. Hey guys, massive fan of the pod. Just caught up on all the episodes. I'm Dave. I'm from Jerangong, currently studying a Bachelor of AI, and I read a lot. History, psychology, biographies, philosophies, sorry, philosophy, science, self-help, finance, business, and fiction. Even after reading Dale Carnegie's works, How to Win Friends and Influence People, I still struggle to deeply connect with people I meet. A girl was once talking about how she tries to match other people's energies in interactions and that she reckons, I just brought my own forward. We'd love to hear you guys flesh this out and the implications of both of these and also how to match the other's energy as I believe this could be part of my problem. No need for anonymity. That's good because I already said your name. (laughs) If you guys feel like you've already covered this in other podcasts and it doesn't warrant a full topic, I'm happy if it's just answered as a question as the money is going to starving people anyway. Yes, it is. And we'll definitely do more than we do for a question. So, uh, matching other people's energy. So, he's saying he still struggles to... Deeply connect with people I meet. I think. Would you say that this is a common trend among people who are maybe very bookish and and sort of and studious and academically minded and you know maybe even autistic? And I say that whether they're actually on the spectrum or just you know would could be described. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Neil in, in a banter in a bantery way. Yes. Uh, so. We can read a lot about these sorts of things that especially if they involve human interactions and human relationships, but there's nothing that can truly replace the experience of actually practicing this, but not even practicing this, just feeling it, being in the moment with someone. And when you do that for 10 years, you just you just develop an innate sense of emotional intelligence and can can pick up on certain nonverbal cues mm. to better match a person's energy. Mm. And influence them mm. and give them a good experience. And maybe there's a there's a limit to how much you can read about a topic like this and how much you can, I suppose, consume and sort of methodically analyze and categorize and 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 practice uh, such behaviors. And it's just a matter of going out there and and doing it and not overthinking it either. Because it's most a lot of the people who listen to this podcast, very intelligent people could very easily be overthinkers, as I definitely am. And sometimes you actually want to turn that brain off when you're talking to people, and that's why they, that's why alcohol is a social lubricant because it turns your brain off or sort of slows down the pace of your brain so you can actually just be yourself or sort of act in a way that you, you, you sort of your, your animal instincts would have you act, but uh, all that social conditioning is preventing. So... My first piece of advice would would be there's a limit to how much you can read on this topic and you need to go out and actually just experience it and not overthink it either and just talk to people, interact with them in various settings and you'll just invariably unconsciously figure out what works and what doesn't work. I don't think that needs to be a conscious process where you're thinking, oh, that worked. Oh, when I said that, when I behaved in this way, I think that will happen naturally because it's a human urge to, to, to connect with people intimately, socially, emotionally. And 
you have that in you and, and that will naturally come about the more you experience day-to-day interactions. So what do you think? There's definitely two schools of thought to this because there is a way to hack, uh, you know, intimacy codes of people. And this is what good pickup artists, good real estate agents, good salesmen do, where they're able to give off the illusion of intimacy Mm. very quickly. Okay. And because I've experienced dealing with a lot of real estates, over the last couple of years, there really is a difference between the boys and the men. Some of them do give you this instant rapport where you think, wow, they're on my side. When you know logically what they're trying to do is fleece you for uh, as big of a mortgage as humanly possible out of you, right? But still, even with that, they're doing certain things that make you trust them. What's it's an truly example? phenomenal. Any little behaviours that you've picked up on that that you've then reflected on and say and 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 realise, ah, oh, that helped me trust that person. I'll give you this one. I'll, I'll definitely this this is one that's definitely true, and this is just something that I've obviously been thinking about for a while. But uh, people that are able to give you a story, and this is something that Bill Clinton was talking about because I just recently listened to his masterclass, and I love the guy instantly because I've never really actually listened to the man, but you really understand why that guy was president. He is the most charming man on earth. Yeah. Extremely smart, extremely empathetic. It's incredible. He was a really good example of how empathetic this man is. He was sitting next to the head of the Tamil Tigers in Bangladesh. Uh, That guy turned to him and said, you put me on the US terrorist list. You, you, Bill Clinton, put me on the US terrorist list and I still like you. (laughs) <laughs> and he Whoa. said, exactly. <laughs> Isn't that power? Oof. That's incredible. And then he was saying, why is that? And then he said, because in our dealings, you always made us feel like you were on our side. So, some people are able to do this. One of the main things, and this is what I'm going to be definitely teaching my kids, was he was saying that when he was a kid, all the older people around the dinner table would tell a story at the end of the day and then he, the, the dad would then say to the kids, did you hear that? And then they'd say yes and then they'd have to recall what that story was, recount what the story was and if it was close enough, then they'd be able to talk about what they did at school that day. And then he was thinking about that when he was a lot older and he was just like, I think this is the reason why everybody thinks it's one of the main compliments that he always gets throughout his life. And everybody that's his age always says that about him. You hear this, anybody that meets him, you're around Bill Clinton. You feel like you're the only person in the universe for that five minutes. Like it doesn't even occur to you. I've met a lot of politicians, right? And a lot of politicians are very good at doing that. But you still have this thing in the back of your mind of- 
you know, like your time is going to be up very soon and then they're going to have to move on to something else. But everybody always just says that like time stops when you're with Bill Clinton. Um, wow. And he was saying that that is what it was. And the main components of what was happening there is, okay, yes, as a kid, when you're like extremely self-absorbed, he was getting conditioned to really listen to someone. So, he's just got years of experience of listening and how to actually properly listen to someone. So, he's got that going for him. But the second thing that he said that really he thinks has made him more empathetic than the average person, and he, he just is, you can tell, um, is because when you're listening to someone's story, you empathize with that person. Doesn't matter how boring the story is, Hmm. it's your brain just goes into narrative mode and you kind of just your critical mind turns off your judgmental mind turns off and you kind of just listen to what they have to say um anyway yeah sorry but that was one thing that i've noticed about real estate agents that are really good at their job is they'll walk into a house so another one will just walk in and they'll say yeah um instantly this is always the case of like a fuckwit that you just instantly hate, you're repelled by. It actually makes the vibe of the house bad. Um, but they're kind of disinterested. They open it up. They You look around half the house and then they say, um, yeah, so uh, uh, have you guys got a time frame for what you're looking to move, uh, when you're looking to move in? Um, uh, what's, what's your budget? Like those are the first couple of questions that they ask. Good real estate agents always say, like, yeah, the previous owner that lived here, they built that little shed in the backyard over there. And um, actually, he got married here. He had his reception here. And, like, they give a story of the house. And as soon as they do that, you're kind of just like, there's there's some kind of, like, human connection there that happens instantly. And, like, I'm telling you, the actual atmosphere of the house changes after that. The one that I, like, I was just distraught that I didn't get last year, the guy was just abnormally intelligent for a real estate agent. He was about my age and he already had, like, six investment properties. Um, he, he And, like, man, he was a professional. Yeah. And, like, that's exactly what happened when we walked through the house. First off, he gave us all of this social proof and then he also had all of these points that he could rattle off that were just very educated points about the market as opposed to the usual stuff of like, yeah, it's going gangbusters, it's going crazy and stuff. He'd just be saying like, yeah, so the Reserve Bank actually just lowered the interest rate. So, at the moment, mortgages are extremely cheap. So, if you're going to lock something in now, that would be a good time to do it because it is actually, you can look at it now. It's like cheaper than renting. These kind of points of comparison where you can go and look at that stuff yourself. And then he moved on to this guy- architecturally designed this house. He, you know, he's a, he's a really eccentric man, like built the story around it. Wow. And like, man, my girlfriend and I were distraught when we didn't get that house. Distraught. So, they're offering a human connection to something that is otherwise just bricks and mortar. Otherwise, just bricks and mortar. But, and this is something, remember when I was talking about this in a previous podcast, I'll just bring it up to the new listeners. Sure. There was an economist that was trying to figure out the value of stories. He bought 100 items off eBay for a dollar each. 
He then got professional story writers on Fiverr to write a story about all of these items. And they sold for some ridiculous amount of money. I can't remember what it was. Let's just say it was like 65 grand or something. But the amount of money that they increased by just these normal dollar items because they put a story behind them was phenomenal. It was like thousands of percentiles in increases. He put those same items back on eBay and resell them just with that little text next to it. Um, the only thing this reminds me of, and this is obviously because I'm in said industry, but I've noticed certain comedians who may not have the largest profile can sell a tour or, or a show or a special or whatever service or product that they're hoping to do so. They can sell it extraordinarily effectively when the marketing involves some kind of story that people are buying into. So a perfect example of this would have been um, one of the internet guys actually a couple of years ago. I'm rejected by the mainstream media. They're saying my comedy's too offensive. I mean, a lot of us have gone on that similar sort of angle. And it's, and it's true, I'm not making that up. But he was able to sell that very well in a short and sharp two-minute teaser and i felt compelled to be a part of this this wasn't this wasn't a comedy show this was a revolution i wanted to buy into this yeah you know the the industry is against not just me they're against all of you as well if all of you for laughing at me are bad people we need to show them how just how many people are not bad people we're a community coming together to stick it to the man. Mm. Come see me live. <laughs> and man, was that effective. So, And I know what you're talking about. Whereas and I'm, yes, it was. I'm a heck man. I do weekly shows, man. Do monthly. Come see me. Yeah. <laughs> I need to think of a better story, a better selling point than that. I'm terrible at that. I'm not a storyteller. I've never been a storyteller. I... Uh, I find it cringy sometimes when people are constantly being vulnerable and talking about themselves. But again, the best uh, paradigm I've used to try and understand that is the Helen Fisher, builders, negotiators, directors, and explorers. Well, let me just add this to it. And this is exactly why Bill Clinton is such a clear communicator. It's, he's abnormally good at speaking that man. And also, he's just got such a charming accent and he's obviously a nice guy. But a lot of the stories that he tells are very boring and plain, but they stick in your head. And the reason they stick in your head is because all of them are just essentially Aesop's fables. He's telling the story to teach you something. He's just saying this every, every time. He's always, I don't know, something like, if you want to lead, you're going to have to learn to listen to people. Let me give you an example. When I was attorney general, like, and then it just goes into that, right? But it, it, the story sticks in your mind and then the example sticks in there. I think it's just when people just tell a story because they want attention. Yeah. That story goes nowhere. But if you're telling the story to explain or enlighten a point- both those things stick in your mind. That's a winning formula right there. Sure. There's definitely no better way to edify listeners than with a narrative. 
No. When you spell something out and you try to moralize, people immediately turn off. But if you can uh, build an engaging and captivating story with a moral, a moral, with some form of uh, didactic a consequence that that's that's so effective i mean that's the story of human history lessons were passed on through stories Mm. through over the campfire Mm, mm. it's how we learnt about our history about how to engage with other people about our communities and only very recently has the phenomenon of mass media changed that Really, we should be engaging person to person and and speaking candidly about our experiences. But it is something that I, uh, I I'm on your I'm on board with you though. I've always never I've never thought of myself as a storyteller. I always thought I was bad at doing it, and I think as a result of that, it's a real. It's just such a tool that you've chucked away. It's like building a house and thinking, no, I don't need a drill. Why? (laughs) I suppose you could build the house without it. It'd be a hell of a lot easier with the drill. I don't think I've discarded that tool. I've never been good at it. It's never been my forte. No. I've never been a comedic storyteller. I've never been good talking about myself on my YouTube channel. In fact, if you notice, but the first four, five, six years of my entire online career, I never once exposed myself. Very rarely when I would uh, talk about uh, shows that were coming up. And and even in my stand-up, am I truly being myself? I'm being a sort of version of myself that I want to amplify and present to the world. But it's not that I'm uncomfortable. I've just found it strange really stripping away those potentially superficial layers and 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 showing my true colors and i've always never one i've always thought what what's actually interesting about my story i mean that that it's not coming from a place of insecurity it's it's, no, it's just like, am i boring people yeah i mean that's not it's not that i have this amazing rags to riches story either Sure, I've overcome some adversity, as everyone has. Sure, there were times where I was bullied and I did some bullying, as I feel like everyone has. So when I uh, hear, uh, you know, personal tales of hardship, I I cringe because maybe I'm just overexposed to those reality TV watered-down versions where it's so formulaic, where every reality TV show... I I grew up watching shows like Australian Idol and X Factor where it became so tedious. Mm. Everyone's personal fucking journey. Mm. I'm doing this for my sister. I'm doing this to prove that I can be a mother and still Mm. sing. I'm I'm doing this to show my bullies that um, I can do anything. Bro, shut the fuck up and sing, cunt. No one Mm. wants to hear Mm. about your fucking sob story. So Mm. I think... That <laughs> that just uh, uh, forced me to discard the art of storytelling as something cliched and 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 hackneyed and 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 formulaic. When really it, it doesn't need to be like that at all. It, it, it that's a bastardized version of storytelling, reality yeah. TV, as yeah, it is with yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah. And 
No point to it. I think that's it. It was just look as soon as as soon as it was explained to me that if you're using it to illustrate a point, there's not a better way to do it. That's it. Human beings are storytelling creatures. They like the aesthetic of it. They like going along with the narrative structure of it. But in your instance, though, in this guy's instance, this it depends. That's good for maybe public speaking, talking to people that you're more intimate with. If you're talking about picking up chicks, you don't want to be like, let me tell you about when I was a post office master. Well, it depends on the, on the context. If the if you think the situation would uh, uh, would prosper and move forward, if there is a, 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 a slight revealing of vulnerability, then I think you should go forward with that. Not not to try and get in her pants or, I mean, look, you do probably want to do that too. But just because that's just uh, the next step when you're genuinely trying to connect with someone. There, there's a point where you might want to reveal a bit more about yourself and you have to time that correctly because nothing puts me off someone more when five minutes into a conversation they start telling me about their mental health or how their mum died. Sure, I'm going to be polite and listen and express my condolences. But no, you don't reveal certain things about you that quickly and that eagerly. There's a, there's an art to it. There is an art. And look, there's the, the trick way of doing it, I honestly do think that the game works. Just the bare bones of it. Obviously, you have to come up with your own little strategy for it. But that guy is hired to go and teach sales teams the game, essentially. But I'll tell you one of the things that this is the classic setup for any pickup artist maneuver when you're opening, right? It's always, hey, can I get a female opinion on something? You start with that, right? But I think you even just strip away that because then I was just reading that book, There's Seven Levels of Intimacy, and don't ask me because I can't remember what all of them are. But I remember that opinions are like third. So there's like cliches at the very top. No, there's formalities, then there's cliches. So formality is just like, hello, thank you. Yep, $7.95. Okay, have a good day. Bye. Then the cliche is just like, oh, it's just, uh, it's, it's raining today. Yeah, yeah, it's raining. It's those kind of conversations. The next one after that, and this is why I think that people have such strong relationships with radio broadcasters, because what is a radio broadcast? It's like three hours of listening to someone's opinion, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But I think that this is the whole thing is you have just circumnavigated the first two ones, the small talk that everyone hates, and you've gone straight to the level that's still socially acceptable, especially if you choose something that's quite inane. Like, you know, say that you're walking around in Kmart or something and then you say, hey, can I get your opinion on something? Um do you think that a little girl would like a wand more or, uh, you know, like a tricycle more? You know, like something like that. They're going to give their opinion on that. And instantly you've gone down to a, a much deeper level of intimacy than most people who are starting up here, which is always a really hard slog. You go straight to the opinions. You look at any good radio broadcaster okay. and that's what they're trying to elicit out of you very quickly when you're on air. What's your opinion on this? What do you think about that? 
The next one down after that, I think, is feelings. Uh, and then the deepest level of intimacy is like the things that you want in life, I think. It's like your, your, oh, yeah. your desires. And then the one before that is your fears. Fears, interestingly, I think is shallower than what you want, which says a lot about human beings. Um, but yeah. Fascinating. What's that book called? I can't remember. I think it's called The Seven Levels of Intimacy. It was a while ago that I read it. I should reread it. Sounds very fascinating. But that's something that I'm telling you. When you're talking about getting a connection with someone, uh, make sure that you're asking for their – make sure you're asking for their opinions and then, which is an extension of it, I suppose, you're asking about what they're – what they feel about certain things. This is the other thing as well. This is what I noticed and – because I've just been out of the game for so long. And I'm sure I'd be terrible at picking up women now. But well, it's also, I think he's also talking about just generally making connections with people. I don't know if it's exclusively. But it's the same thing. This is what I'm saying. Like everyone's yeah. always saying like, uh, you know, don't focus on picking up or whatever. But the thing is that it is the same level of skill set, the same skill set that works. The whole thing is like with that guy that you were talking about that was just like that guy slays, which is why I was just thinking about this a lot. The reason that that guy slays is because you're like, that guy's a fucking legend. I love him. If you weren't like that, they wouldn't be like that. Yeah, of course. It's one-to-one. One-to-one. Mm-hmm. I suppose there's, like, I, people that are, like, man's man's and things like that. Definitely a, a, a realm of subjectivity there where you can uh, come across in a very positive light to a certain group of people and potentially not do so to others. When he talks about matching other people's energies, I, I think what you're really trying to get to there is nonverbal cues. Mm. And... Understanding what state, possibly what emotional state this other person is in. Matching that, but if it is a negative emotional state, slightly making adjustments so that they can hopefully come out of that state. Because if you come too strongly with a extremely positive state to someone who's stressed or confused or whatever it may be, that's going to be off-putting, that's going to scare them. But if, let's say, on a scale of um, complete stress to complete bliss they're at a 30. You want to match them at a 35. Mm. And that will slowly bring them back up to a 35. Mm. And as they're going up to a 35, you want to get to a 40. Mm. But you don't want to come in with a 60. It's going to really... It's going to put them off. Jolts you out. It's way too jarring. It's... it's, Well, we relate this always to comedy, but it's the exact same with an audience. If the audience is disinterested... So, uninterested... Actually, I was listening to a audiobook that was telling me that the, the the subtle difference between the word disinterested and uninterested so disinterested means uh you're not it, uh, in it's closer to say indifferent so you you know you want the judge to be disinterested in the outcome then they're going to be objective whereas if they're uninterested then they don't care mm. so mm. Mm. i just thought i'd put that out there but so mm. if the audience is uninterested you want to first uh Try and alleviate that apathy and, 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 and 
instills some degree of interest, but you can't do that by coming out strongly with an with an energy of ninety. If they're on an energy of twenty, you need to you need to come out there with an energy of about twenty five to thirty. Mm. And I think that's what this Dave's friend is talking about when she uh, is expressing uh, the need to match other people's energies. There's some people who are just real, they're sponges. Whatever your emotional state, they'll just suck that up. Mm. And that's what they become. Mm. And those people are really, uh, we need those people in society. These are these are the carers. These are the negotiators. These are the people that uh, just help us feel connected. Because there's someone out there that's uh, that that can acknowledge whatever emotional state I'm in. And see, this is the other thing as well. What I've noticed is those people do not understand the struggle of other people. People that are like that and they just inherently have that skill of walking into a room and making everyone feel comfortable, they always find conversations like this really cringy and I fully understand why. But you also have to understand that most men are not empathetic, you know? So, they actually do need to learn those skills. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I yeah, it's- I can understand why it's very frustrating for a lot of, uh, particularly women, having to teach just kindergarten level empathy yes. when that's something that would have just come naturally to them. But then vice versa, there's levels of sort of categorization and, and uh, yeah, what, what, what can you call it? Uh, constructive autism that does not come naturally to some women. And except the women who listen to this podcast, they have a ma- you're right. For at least the ones I've spoken to, they they have a male brain. Yeah, there, there's actually not much of a crossover of people who listen to say this podcast and then also listen to sex sales. Most of the people I talk to who love sex sales, especially women, they would hate this one. And then most of the ones I talk to who listen to this one, they're like, I don't like, like what enough. Like we've heard enough about your stories. So. The people that listen to sex sales are estrogen. I think so. I think so. Although it's also still very... look. No, there's a lot of guys that just want to talk about... Like me, who, who were very interested in modern dating economics and the culture around relationships today and, and masculinity and femininity and all of that. But then there are people who just love hearing the various relationship stories that we uh, share during that podcast. Right. Because that's the only podcast. Anytime I get criticism of something I say on this podcast, it's very direct. It's, hey, you said this. It is wrong. Or like, hey, you said this. Why didn't you say this? What did you think about this? Do you think this could work? Or they'll extend on ideas. Hey, have you thought about it this way? What do you think about this concept? They speak conceptually. Mm. They speak about ideas. Uh, and then whenever I get criticism or, or uh, fee- just feedback in general on, on sex sales, it's, hey, when you said this, it was really hurtful. What? The- like, to me, I hear that. I'm like, what the? F- that fr- it, it actually just frustrates me. I'm like, mm. what, 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 what the fuck do you want me to do? Like, that's you. You got hurt. 
what do you want me to not say that exact same thing again? I probably can't because there was a confluence of topics and ideas that led to me saying that exact same sentence. The chances that I'll say that exact same sentence again are slim to none. Mm. So if it hurt you, I don't know you personally. What do I do? What do you want me to do? I don't know what like, they I, want. I don't know. I'm supp- I'm expected to apologize, but I've done nothing wrong. I haven't said anything with a bad intention. I haven't intended to hurt anyone. Really? So, so the criticism is always you hurt my feelings. Not directly like that. And it's not like dumb people though. It's it's they'll I uh Write this very eloquent paragraph about how what I've said it might be misguided or or potentially hurtful, and that's uh, it's not that it frustrates me. It's not well, no, really? it, does, it frustrates me because Sounds it's confusing. It's, sorry, not frustrates, but I don't understand. It doesn't what seem malicious. Do yeah, I don't know what I'm supposed how I'm supposed to act towards that because now the the wisdom in society is hey we we want to foster a, a, a an environment of empathy so whenever a, a public figure has said words to that effect that have maybe hurt certain people or a community they're expected to apologize and all those apology tweets are exactly the same i realize my power and i realize that my words have consequences and i'm deeply sorry for any hurt that i've caused are you what what do you what sorry to me i don't know we eliza and i did a whole podcast breaking down what sorry actually means sorry to me is like an acknowledgement that i've misstepped that i've intentionally done something wrong but then we actually differentiated between an apology and the word sorry so if someone is hurt there may be a, a case a sort of human case to say I'm sorry. In the same way, when someone says a relative has died, you say, I'm sorry. I fe- I, they, I, I'm so sorry. And it's just a sort of basic, if anything, it's a, it's more of a formality than a, it's a sort of a bit of a formality and a feeling there, I think, on that hierarchy of intimacy, mm. wherein I'm, I'm sort of acknowledging, hey, I, I, can em- I, I have felt similar feelings like that. And I know it would be painful for you right now. And I'm just acknowledging that. And there's a sort of basic human connection that comes with that. Mm, mm, and it's, mm. almost, it's expected now of people when someone says, I'm going through a tough time. I'm sorry to hear that. It's mm. Even though that doesn't help. <laughs> like that's not going to change that <laughs> tough time. Having said that, for, for whatever reason, when, when someone does say, I'm sorry to hear that, it can make you think, all right, someone's thinking about me. Someone... Uh, can when 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 you have the knowledge that other people are empathetic of your situation it actually can mollify some of the the stress and anxiety you may be experiencing but it's a rare on rare occasion that i actually like i don't don't know what to do when people i'm sure you get a lot of that like oh you what you say is mean or like what you say hurt this group. So what? They hurt. What do you want me to do? Can I fix it? If not, then what do you want me to do? Mm. I said it. Mm. Mm. It's done. Mm. Tell me what I said wrong. What? Where was I incorrect? Where was I... Uh, but that just could be a very uh, unempathetic way of seeing the world. I don't know. Well, I mean, 
it is, but that's the whole thing. It's a different game. Are you trying to do that? Because if you are trying yeah. to do that, yeah. then that's what you should be focusing on. Otherwise, you just realize like, you know, you're playing badminton, they're playing netball. It's just completely different. <laughs> it's it's like the, the, the purpose of the entire communication is they're not looking at it. That's why I can't wait for Neil Strauss's new book on it because he is going to go deep into that, which is that when people are communicating, very, very rarely are they really anywhere close to the same page. That's going to be an interesting book. Well, it's like a lot of the videos you release, especially recently, you – uh, sure, there's an emotional side to it and you instill in, in within the viewer this sort of call to action, this this real, uh, almost this heroic, you feel, you feel heroic watching your videos. You're like, I'm part of a movement that's <laughs> bringing down corruption. Right. And then people will respond and criticize you by saying, that was hurtful. But that wasn't, your whole intention was, hey, here... I'm expressing very specific, astute, well-observed criticisms of a certain political figure. And sure, I'm, I'm combining that with a degree of castigation that contributes to the overall emotional product of what I'm putting out there. But when people will just respond saying, that was mean, if I were you, I'd be like, what? I don't even know what to say. Yes. I don't know what to say. Well, you know what, actually? I had that exact discussion with my grandma over the <laughs> Christmas holidays. That was it. Just five hours of why you have to be so mean. And that was at the end of it. Every single end point was why do you have to be so mean? Old women hate me. That is not my demographic. They fucking <laughs> despise me. Um, and I th- oh, what a shock. <laughs> oh, I thought you were big in the nursing homes, bro. I thought they were playing friendly Geordies all day. It was Elvis and Geordies. <laughs> I don't know what to do about that. But the, th- the thing is, look, I think that when it comes to the communication, right. if you listen- if you listen to people like Abby Chatfield's podcast, first off, God help you, it's, it's so dumb. It's unbelievable. It's- it, think about this, right? When she is on The Bachelor, she's being edited. There's like sound effects behind her. They're trying to make her amusing. Her podcast, as we've discussed this before, is her talking for half an hour straight. Just whatever comes to her mind. But that's very different to what men want to listen to. Men want to listen to two types of podcasts. Men want to listen to podcasts that are either information gathering or they want to listen to a podcast where it's two people joking around, which I think is actually the genius of Kyle and Jackie O because they're actually splicing those two things together because there actually is laughs, endless laughs in it. And there's also just this implicit drama and uh, sexual tension that lies in all of those reality shows that women love. But when you listen to just what women want to listen to, you understand that the mode of their communication is completely different. They're not in it for the same reason that we are. All Abby Chatfield is talking about is uh, her insecurities 
and how interactions with other people made her feel that week. That's the show. <laughs> That's the entire show. Week after week of that, huh. no one else speaking, just her talking into a microphone for half an hour. And to me, if I was listening to that, I would feel like I'm going insane. That seems like something a crazy person would do. Just wanting to listen to one other person, just like stream of consciousness speaking about nothing. But to be fair, I'm sure those listeners would listen to us and have the exact same reaction. I don't think it would be the same reaction. Okay, not exactly. They would, they, would, they would detest us. It wouldn't necessarily be boredom and- uh, No, it would be boredom. This is the thing. When I'm listening okay. to Abby Chatfield, I'm not bored. I'm not bored. Okay. I'm pissed off. I'm angry. Okay. I'm just like, shut the fuck up. That's what I'm thinking when yeah, she's smoking. For whatever you know? reason, she seems to have this uh, innate ability to actually get under the skin of so many men, which then plays into <laughs> her whole thing, which is like men hate me because I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a strong-minded, confident woman, and it's like, ah, oh, fuck, yeah, you, we actually do. Damn, you're like proving yourself right. No, 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 no. I'll tell you why I hate Abby Chatfield. All right. It's not because she's strong-minded and confident. It's because she's confident without any reason to be confident. She's the same. I hate her for the same reason I hate male douchebags. It's like, why why are you so pleased with yourself? You know, you're like, okay. you're on the doll. Yeah. Why right, are you right. picking up women with such ease? It's Okay, there is a level of jealousy there, but it's not this thing. <laughs> of, because there is other men that pick up and you think, okay, that guy deserves it. But then yeah. when you see, like, that South American guy just coming to a party and being like, Hey, man, send it to bad day. I'm a big layer, Jace. And it's like, no. I know he's going to go home with the hottest chick here. It's not fair, you know? And I think that she's just the female equivalent of that. She's just like, I'm smart and independent and I'm shashy. And it's like, you're an idiot. You're an idiot, but you think you're a genius. <sighs> <laughs> I've never, to be fair, I've never listened I'll, I'll report. I'll listen and I'll report back. You should. You know the Do one yourself I the favor. actually kind of liked. I stopped listening after three or four episodes because it just felt so repetitive. Which again, I'm sure people would listen to us and who don't like talking about. First of all, the way we communicate and the topics we communicate about would also think we're repetitive because we do hash out similar topics, but we try and unpack them in a different way and go through a different angle. And I'm sure to a lot of people, especially negotiators, that would be just horrendous. That would be torture. So the one I actually didn't mind was Love Uncut because I felt like I got some very interesting insights into uh, what is going through the minds of these, you know, these, these girls. Go on. I actually kept listening. Like, I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't like, oh, this is fucked and I had to turn it, which I thought is what would happen. Mm. But I listened to two or three. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it's interesting. It's not that bad. Right. Mm. Did they seem smarter than what you thought? It's not an intelligence. It's not like I'm I'm trying to measure their intelligence. Like, I, you know, when I listen to, I don't know, guests on Sam Harris, I'm trying to, you know ascertain the complexity of the ideas they're communicating but i just thought it was insightful in a way that i'd never really been privy to these sorts of conversations and it felt like i'm listening in on the 
the popular girls talking, which would have always been um, never accessible to most people. It, and now I'm, oh, I can, I can listen in on these conversations that I wouldn't have been able to listen in on. I think that was maybe the feeling I was getting from it. Mm. Mm. And I'm trying to think. It was quite a few months ago that I was actually listening to this one now. But uh, I was, uh, what were the topics they were actually talking about? One of them was talking about some one night stands she was going on, and it was really, it was interesting. It was just hearing her perspective. Look, both genders do this. It's like, you know, guys will, everyone is vulnerable when they're having sex. And so the way they deal with that is when they try and uh, recount the experiences, particularly if it was a one night stand, they're constantly trying to amplify their own behavior and their, and, and, and keep their self esteem intact while, subtly putting down the other person. Both men and women do this. Men do it in a more aggressive way because it's more about their dominance and how uh, effectively they, you know, conquered this particular uh, route. So uh, an example of how a man will uh, recount a one-night stand will be like, oh, bro, you know, this happened and this happened and then, then, like, she did this and she did that, bro, and it was, like, yeah, man, it was sick. Like, yeah, made a come. 10 times or whatever the fuck. My joke that I've had, my stand-up joke is like, whenever men talk about a one-night stand, they become UFC commentators. It was five rounds of pure domination. Yeah. I was on top <laughs> the entire time. And when I look down, pff, it is all over. <laughs> uh, <laughs> then when women recount a one-night stand, they're just constantly finding little things that they can put the other guy down for. Like, we were doing this, and then he did this. It was so weird. Or like, and, then, and then he said yeah. this, and I was like, what the fuck? And it's like, yeah, like you didn't do weird shit the whole night either. Yeah. It's never like, yeah, I did this weird shit and I said all this weird stuff because I was like 10 martinis deep. No, it's like, can you, he said this to me. Like the one thing in a, in a, in a four hour escapade, the, the, the one sentence that I may have said that was a bit retarded. That's yes. the one thing yes. they amplified yes. to their, all their friends. Yeah. And I know this because it's come back to me. And it was like, yeah, well, he's had this. Was like, I, first, okay, a good example of this was like, um, I had this one night stand. This was what, what, like five years ago. Match with this girl on Tinder, and like I genuinely was curious if she, after we did the deed, if she knew, you know, had seen my videos, and if she knew who I was, because I always, it's like more gratifying to me when it's like, no, I've never heard of you, and I'm like, oh yeah, so you mm. just liked my profile, mm. mad. Mm, 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 mm. So I asked her. I was like, so did did you do you know who I am? Which okay. I can see how that's cringy, but I said it in a way it was like, so, you know, like, I'll, have you seen my, like, had, had you seen me online or something like that? Like, I said it like that, but then, like, she fucking went and told her friends who then there was some connection where, like, it came back to me, and it was like, fuck Neil Cole Hacker, and then after he was done, he was like, so, do you know who I am? It's like, all right, yeah, technically I said that. But I didn't say it like that. <laughs> I didn't say it like that, bro. <laughs> but that's, and I know there'd be like countless, you know, stories that have now g- gone around in some Chinese whispers. Like, oh, my, my friend fucked Neil and he, and he did this. And he said, oh, he, could, he fucking lasted 30 seconds or whatever. That is probably true. But like, you know, <laughs> there's all these like weird shit that people are going to amplify in a one night stand when like for the most part, it probably was great. It was probably like a good night. We probably got along. But what do you think the point of a woman is 
what are they trying to do in that situation? It, 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 I've actually pondered this, man. Like, I think they're trying to, like, amplify their self-esteem and bring down by, first of all, it's a it's a very much like a cat and mouse game, which to be fair, to a certain degree it is, where it's like he was trying to court me and this is what he did to me the whole night and this is what happened and it's all like kind of a, a judgment of the man. And maybe it's a way to sort of uh, obfuscate and, and deflect from their inherent, like the judgment that they maybe feel themselves because it's going to sound woke, but look, we still do live in a society where people internally might feel still have a little pang of guilt when they do something like that because they've been brought up in a way to think that that was immoral. So, look, to be fair, maybe it's that. Maybe it's just no one wants to, you know, be critical of themselves in a situation as vulnerable as a one-night stand. So it's just easier to deflect all the, the weirdness to, to the other person and say, this person do this and this person do that and then to you do that and then do that and, like, you know. Yeah, and I'm sure you did some weird shit too, but I'm not sure, man. I I, I think maybe it's a, a self, a way to for this for the that individual to hype themselves up. But it's just, I maybe it's just because I'm a man, but I get how the male one hypes yourself up. You don't get the male one fish. is just like, yeah, yeah, I pounded her so hard. She came 10 times, busted the biggest nut. Like, <laughs> yeah, but the it's female one is bragging. Like, yeah, but the female one is like making the guy seem smaller. The, man, the male one is making him seem bigger and the female one's making the guy seem smaller. Because isn't that the whole, you know, Women climb their dominance hierarchies by bringing down their rivals, whereas men climb their dominance hierarchies by trying to bring themselves up. It actually is kind of true. Well, you know, that's how it works, man. It's bloody hard. It but is how it works. That uh, seems like what it is transpiring. And I had a joke about that. I haven't done these jokes for a while, but I had a stand-up joke about that where it was like, oh, yeah, when, when women recount a one-night stand, it's like the director of fucking... Um, the Freddie Mercury bio- biopic. It's like you're a biopic director. Like you recount all the like good stuff, but then all that bad stuff you just leave out, you know, like all that good stuff. Like Freddie Mercury played at Live Aid and he was an amazing singer. Yeah, put that in. And uh, he also knowingly gave many men AIDS. No, 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 we won't leave. We'll, we'll leave that out. They do that? That was the joke. It wasn't that good. I canned it. But the, but the UFC commentary joke still gets laughs. Yeah, but, oh, okay, so the, the tail end of that was that women, no, because I think you're right about the other thing. No, what they do is they leave in that Freddie Mercury gave a bunch of men AIDS. No, because they're talking about themselves, like they're the directing the, the story of their own biopic. But I think that you're right. I, I don't know. Look, my interaction with most women and they're them talking about sexual escapades is them talking about how shit the guy was. Always. Yeah. Always. I've never Always. I've never once said a girl. But it's never be like, like them I just being like home and it was great. It was just being like, I made him come so quickly or like they, they never say that shit. It's always just like this guy was like he just kept like sucking on my tit for like too long, you know? And it's just like, okay, I've got another one. <laughs> 
<laughs> that, was a good, that was a great impression. But that is what they talk That's about. Uh, and it's always like he said some weird shit or he did some weird shit. And that's all TikTok is. It's just snarky takedowns of stuff that men have done to them. The guy that doesn't understand boundaries the day after. You know, I was like, he just wanted to hang around me the whole day. It's like, it was the one I said, like, fuck off. Like that kind of. <laughs> How do you? I just. I don't get it. I don't get the goal. I understand that the goal somewhere is like the, is in the realm of what you're talking about. It is somewhere in there. It's something about building themselves up, but I don't really understand how that does it in there. <sighs> Look, I've watched a lot of The Real Housewives of Atlanta recently, and I think that it kind of does make a lot of sense. You know, think about it. You're right. The whole show- you get 20 women together, it's always the same, isn't it? It's just like, okay, with the guys, there'll be a bit of bitching and, like, some of the guys will be closer to each other than other guys yeah. in, like, a reality TV show. But in general, they're kind of just getting along and, like, throwing the footy around and stuff. Every now and then they might biff, I suppose, yeah? But with girls, it is just end-to-end bitching. All it is is just, like, heaps of freakouts. And them just sitting there, just behind closed doors of them just being like, Lakeisha came in and she was wearing these hooped rings. And I was like, bitch, it's called a casual affair. You you don't have to try and show everybody up. Like, that's the whole show. So, yeah, they, it's, it's not just sexual escapades. It actually is just the- This is the whole thing. It's just like, I think social interaction and sexual interaction, there's very little difference between the two. They're actually a lot closer linked than you would expect. Well, they're forms of human connection and intimacy. And that's it. There's more at stake uh, in a sexual interaction because you're uh, very vulnerable and you're really bearing yourself, literally and figuratively, and uh, you you, you risk uh, having your self-esteem truly torn apart if you're not effective in that scenario but to be fair social rejection can also be just as obliterating to one's self-worth so you know what i might you know i take that back you you they're both they're very very similar it's just sexual interaction in the in the moment I don't know. No, actually, it's just this. It's just when when it's working, it's working. It's just, man, there's so much constant theory about that kind of thing. But it's just like you just know when it's working and you just don't when you don't. Maybe when you're at this guy's age. I don't know why you just like every time anyone ever is just like, I'm just talking about meeting people. I'm like, you're talking about pussy. But (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, probably. Yeah, bro. Get on the apps. But doing, um, what are you doing, lad? Right. Yeah, that's it. I really, this is part of the problem. I mean, I feel like we've uh, gone on a lot of uh, angles about interaction and matching energies and nonverbal communication. So I think we've sufficiently answered the. Well, I think we've sufficiently covered the topic. 
dude. Okay, sorry. One difference as well between this is a huge difference actually between male podcasts and female podcasts. Mm-hmm. I think with male podcasts. Always whispering. It's going to be good. Sorry, sorry, sorry. It's going to be juicy. No, no, no. It's just the the two things. Okay. So, what are you trying to do when you're listening to guys shoot the shit? Or if you're listening to retain information, in both instances, you're looking for ways to get ahead in life. How's shooting the shit? How's consuming that a way to get ahead in life? I think that that is. Yes. I think that that's something that's very important in modern society don't ask me why shooting like roasting each other not even just roasting each other just being able to shoot the shit that is a really acquired skill for a man yeah that's something that they want you you want to be able to have and i hate the phrase but good bands you want to be able to have good bands it's it's a signal of emotional fortitude what do you mean? Well, if you can cop roasts and give it back to other men, you have a lot of inner strength. Yes, but it's also knowing when to stop. Yes, so it's a sign of emotional fortitude and intelligence. intelligence yeah, it's both. So there's a lot of things that are actually happening when you like. There's that dynamic, whereas women just don't give a fuck about that. And I think that's it. Like, all they want out of a podcast, I think, is just to relate. A vibe. They want a vibe. But we want a vibe when we're talking about- Because, you know, if, if like- Sure. You know, uh, the bench isn't, isn't working, then, like, you, you go away. But men are looking to get ahead- it's the same thing as always. Like, I'm telling you, this is a shortcut to male and female interaction, which is that men want compliments and women want to be understood. And as soon as you look at the paradigm through that, you realize that when women are usually talking about Anything. Say, say the thing that they're like, you know, how we're always just being like, oh, women are so soft. All they ever talk about is feminism and all this kind of stuff. I think that's it. I think that they just kind of relate to each other by complaining. Whereas, like, with guys, it's always just like, shut up. How do we win? <laughs> like, you're soft. Right, right. And I think that's yeah. it. It's just like men in a podcast are looking for right. something that can give them an edge. Women are not looking for an edge when they're listening to a podcast. Well, I'm trying to think about what... Because even when I, like I said, I listened to that Life Uncut podcast, which, again, I thought was really great, but I'm trying to sort of pick up on cues that will help me. Oh, it's it's. I'm trying to grab information from it. Mm. So, that, ra- that rings true to me there. When I listen to my other favorite podcasters, when I listen to Sam Harris, I'm, of course, trying to learn. Similarly with, uh, well, with people like Coleman Hughes and uh, the other guy I'm listening to now, Andrew Dave Sullivan. Hughes. Those two, yes, I'm trying to learn, but I'm also trying to explore issues that I'm very passionate about from another angle. 
and 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 really un- it's where that obsession comes in and i just want to hear more about it and constantly be consuming content that even if 99% of it is exactly the same as i've heard before just continually adding to my repertoire of knowledge based on well wokeism whatever whatever it is and what I, i've been listening to philosophize this and that's to consume information I don't like the banter, but there's a lot of them out there now. All their highlights go gangbusters on TikTok. I've never been a big fan of the of a full podcast of guys just roasting each other. I'll just do that with my mates. I don't need to listen to two other. It's like the video game thing. Mm. You know, like, sure, we do this here. So, you know, if you listen like us, you're good. But <laughs> when the whole podcast is just guys shooting the shit eventually you're like all right come on talk about something substantive here like what i like about joe rogan even when he has his mates on there's a lot of that and it and it lightens the mood and it's and it's fun and it shows that they don't take themselves too seriously but then eventually they start talking about topics that are very uh serious and interesting to me but when a whole podcast is is it to me it's like FM radio. It's like the two dudes doing FM radio, which was just like So, uh Jacko, what do you think about chicks farting? Oh, I don't know, man. Like I get it. Like I, 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 my, my wife uh fully let one rip the other night and I was like kind of turned me on a bit, not going to lie. Oh, oh we yeah, like, like, there's, there's li- <laughs> that's how I feel. Well, that's it. Sounds like that's how you felt when you listened to whatever Abby's podcast. I'm like, this is retarded, bro. Like, I can't. There's so much of this I can take. I want this shit. Okay, whereas Kyle and Jackie is good because there's that there's the tension there, and and you know there's always things that Kyle says that's that's mean, and Jackie's like, oh. No, you can't say that. And then there's that conflict, and I'm invested in that. But when it's just, um, I've never been the biggest fan. I, I respect what they've done. I've never been that big a fan of Hamish and Andy, because it's kind of like, ah, oh, they're just talking about mundane shit, and like, yeah, sure, they're making it funny and light. But I've never been a fan of of even comedians who, and I understand it's a very masterful. Uh, it's it's great craftsmanship. I mean, Jerry Seinfeld can make it like take a mundane thing, and and transform it into something hilarious. Although I'm amazed then by the skill of that, not by what he's talking about. He's talking about plates or fucking washing machines or whatever. I don't give a fuck about that. I, there's nothing that like rots my brain more than like just radio personalities talking about just boring mundane things and people are like, oh, so interesting where he just talks about like toasters for 20 minutes dude i would rather kill myself yeah i know what you I mean i do not want to hear this shit i, know I what mean you that's mean. different to the banter but after all the banter to me it's like ah, oh, we get it bro like you all like how long can you roast each other for well i think that was the difference with hamish and andy was that yeah you're right when i was listening to hamish and andy i was listening to them purely because I wanted to pick up on comedic tactics that uh-huh. Hamish was using. And that's it. So, again, 
it goes back to that. So, I honestly think that when men are listening to- And you're right. There's just a bunch of those other male duos that they tried to flood the market with that didn't work because they didn't have the same skill level. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. No. Even with those band shows, I think that it's just- Because this is the other thing that you'll notice. When guys listen to a podcast like that long enough, they start joking in the way- that those people are joking, which is why Hamish and Andy, everyone always says I, I wasn't influenced by them. I think that our generation definitely was because we were all listening to it because it was in the car all the time. And so, that was just like a form of humor that was there. Now that it's more varied, a lot of the time I'll be listening to people speak and I'll just be like, what? And then I'll be like, oh, they listen to Sam Hyde or, oh, they listen to Chapo Trap House. Yeah. Oh, to be fair, we've got, what, four podcasts out there that's called Miscellaneous Banter. So, all right, maybe a bit hypocritical what I just said there, but there's just a certain style of that genre of, like, purely just sh- yeah, whatever it is, shooting the shit, where you're like, oh, I can do, like, a, a half an hour of that, and then eventually I'm like, all right, and I, I get it. So, none of them ever piqued your interest. None of them that you were ever listening to them and you thought- how are they thinking of things like that? I suppose is what you're doing there. No, but to be fair, uh, I not even Craig Ferguson, Conan O'Brien, those are included. Oh, but that's very. That's not shooting the shit. They're shooting the shit. Yeah. All right. All right. I'm looking at that in the same way you were looking at Hamish, where I'm trying to extrapolate the comedic craftsmanship. I'm looking at a genius at work here. I'm not. I'm also like, oh yeah, that's funny how he said that. But yes, but that's I'm the whole thing. What's setting off process. in your brain is why was that funny? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So everything that men are ever looking at, I think, is to acquire something. Yeah, bro, we're conquerors. Yeah, <laughs> fucking up. yeah, can't. We are. We're always <laughs> just looking for advantage. We really are. Yeah. Yeah, women aren't. I think that's it. I think that's the reason why those kind of podcasts just- Because to me, Mm. that is the first thing that rings off in my head every time. But the other thing is as well, they love it. They absolutely love it uh, when when I just like rag the shit out of uh, Married at First Sight, for instance. Like you look at my stats and it's pretty much just always- 90% 90% male, 80% male all the time. And then it comes to maths and then it's just like 60-40 to females. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then all they mm. ever talk about every time is like, are you going to do more maths? It's so funny. But but that is it though. Like, man, again, watch Desperate, uh, watch uh, Real Housewives. And it is just yeah. that. It's just them- endlessly fucking ragging on and this is the other thing as well not in a jokey way like you're talking about no, with like man. roast banters they're actually sitting there just being like your hair fake bitch yeah, <laughs> yeah you're right. that like they're trying show. to hurt their feelings bro desperate housewives was seven seasons of just bitches undermining each other yeah. and yes. trying to like uh, <laughs> repu- like destroy another person's reputation <laughs> holy shit I kind of liked that show, just mainly because Eva Longoria, like, was 
Oh, you're talking about Desperate Housewives. I'm talking about Real Housewives, the reality oh, right, show. Right, right, right. Desperate Housewives, yeah, exactly the same thing. But And mostly the reason that we were watching is because two out of the four chicks we really wanted to fuck. And, that and was about still it. do. I don't know about that. Have you seen? Eva Longoria still. Yeah, well, she's Latino. Yeah, it would, would. But the other one, <laughs> Terry Hatcher. Terry Hatcher was amazing in Seinfeld days. She was like still very doable in Desperate Housewives days. But now you look at it, she's a bag lady. It's going to come back. They're going to clip this out, man. They're going to do an expose. <laughs> well, it needed to be said. Somebody needs- famous <laughs> actresses based on whether they're fuckable. <laughs> this- I'm so... I, I really, I really, like, I, 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 I think... We're going to have to look into this more, but I think that the way... I think that I'm able to get away with this a little bit more than other guys are because I think that the way that I do pay people out is just very catty. It's very, it's it's very female. The way it's, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. It's I, snarky and it's ner- and it's nerdy. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. it's not like the big. If there was a big footy guy that was like this fucking slut's got fake tits, that would be more aggressive and it'd be quite abrasive yeah, to people. Like, but the, you, the way you do it is actually very catty. Yeah. It's that kind of shit of just being like, that's nice that you said that. You look like a gargoyle, like seriously. It's really bad. You should do something about it. Like <laughs> stuff. <laughs> Dude, I yeah. actually think that when women are being bitchy, it's fucking hilarious. I think it's amazing. It's like one of the best. That's why gay guys just kill it. They really kill it, I think. It's weird that they don't. It doesn't really translate into the world of comedy. I don't think it really works as a stand-up set. But just watching a gay man talk to other women about how much he hates other women is like some of the funniest stuff I've ever heard in my life. Which is pretty much, again, Kyle Sanderlands. Kyle Sanderlands is just another one of these like- Well, he's a okay, hybrid. He's, he's straight, but he's pretty gay. He's a kind of know? a hybrid, man. Because he he'll, he'll won't bitch about someone in a catty- feminine way he'll bitch about people but in the they'll he'll just come out with very unapologetic direct lines <laughs> whereas someone will that person really thinks way too highly of themselves <laughs> even though they're way past their prime carl will be like nah i wouldn't fuck her yeah <laughs> yeah, just yeah, that yeah, different yeah, yeah. Kinda, yeah far more abrupt and in your face um Hey, man, this one's been a really good one. Uh, Dave, I, uh, I hope we've uh, covered your topic effectively and efficiently and we've <laughs> given you something to uh, give you an advantage because that's what men do when they listen to podcasts. They seek out advantages. Uh, if you'd like to send in a topic or a question, neilcohacker.com slash podcast or goes to charity. Uh, come see me in Sydney. I'll come up with a story for that soon. We're creating new comedy rooms. That's actually what we're doing. We're trying to change the comedy game, not in the way of like, oh, fuck the industry, but like we're just offering different shows. There's usually just a comedy show where there's like 10 acts, one after the other. We've got a whole different style of show. So come see us, neildan.com for tickets. Go see Jordan live. Uh, Share this podcast. Subscribe if you haven't already. Uh, We're actually nearing... 10,000 uh, subscribers on just Spotify. So, 
Whoa. Yeah. Let's, uh, Good move. The, hopefully 2022 is the year we hit that. So um, keep them coming. And I haven't even looked at the Apple iTunes stats, but I'm sure they're just as good. So thank you for all the support. Uh, hope you're doing well. Enjoy the rest of your summer. We'll see you soon. Bye.